Coming up, we are back. Front Page Football's A-League Men Weekly Wraps. We are back, back on this feed. Cannot wait to get to this first episode. As you'll see when we get into it, a slightly different structure with the way we're going to be doing things this year. Probably slightly less unhinged as it was from last season. A bit more focused discussions. For example, this week we've deep dived into the Wanderers, Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory and their results from, from the weekend. Next week we might focus on three different teams and then we're going to look ahead a little bit to round two as well. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let us know, please, in either in the comments section, uh, down below, or um, on social media, wherever you access this podcast. Let us know some feedback that you have, any segments or anything that you want to see us try and do and incorporate in the podcast. Please let us know, because we are very much looking forward to enhancing, I guess, uh, these pods and making them uh, even better for for all A-League fans and uh, and critics to, to listen to and uh, enjoy. But without further ado, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another season of Front Page Football's weekly A-League Men podcast. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and uh, I cannot wait to take you through another season of banter, obscure takes, and off-topic tangents with different members of the Front Page Football team. Speaking of which, tonight I'm joined by three members of that team, Antonis Pagonis, Cody Ajada, and Jake Holub. Antonis, I'll start with you. How's uh, how's things? How did you see the weekend play out? The first weekend of the new season. Yeah, of course we had the A League Women's kickoff last year, but we're back in the full swing of things with the men's and the women's leagues going on. So yeah, great to have football back and some really enjoyable games, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. So uh, yeah, the 2023-24 A League Women's season kicked off last year, did it? Yeah, I said last year. Well, yeah. that tells you all about how I am right now. Last week. Obviously, but yeah, might as well be the year. Things have since. Big, big, big week back at school for Antonis this week, I think. Um, all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> One for the non-South Australian listeners. Let's uh, uh, turn now to Cody Ajada. Cody, how'd, uh, how did you see round one play out? Well, first of all, I'm great. Um, I do share the sentiment of Antonis where I think I am a little bit loopy. Double headers can be a tough one to sit through, no matter how much you love football, especially on a 30-degree day in Sydney. But no, I thought, obviously, it's great to have the A-League men's back. The A-League women's obviously starting last week, um, for anyone that was unaware after that little slip-up. But um, no, obviously, any football coming back is great. So, loving it, enjoying it. We've seen some good football, too. Yeah, getting to uh, Cooper Stadium um, for me at 4.30 on a Friday is, um, yeah, that's a challenge. Uh, Jake, what about you? Oh, mate, I'm good. I'm good. Enjoyed a lovely weekend of uh, Ellie Men's football, obviously, with the women's too. It's been good to get back into that. Um, it's also good to sort of be on this side of the sort of podcasting world now again, you know, obviously, plug here, uh, fantasy pod, uh, front page fantasy. Uh, check that out if you want to. It's not too late to get into it. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking about that. But it was a good round of football. Jake, you just plug your podcast on my podcast without permission. 
I, I just plugged your podcast on my on your po- like it's confusing because like it's yeah, not yeah. Your yeah. It's, it's all it's all that podcast. I'm promoting uh, me for you. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. Well, how, how'd you go with the fantasy this week? Uh, the men the men's I did pretty well. I, I had a good week, but the women's was a bit shambolic. Uh, Courtney Vine let me down very 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 much. So had her captain, so that was disappointing. But look, are you even allowed to say that? Are you even allowed to say that? Court- I don't think Courtney Vine's actually allowed to let any of us down now. Look, look, it probably does equal out for, for, for her greatness, but at the same time, a man needs his fantasy points, and, you know, it, was, it, was, it, it did disappoint me. All right, then. Uh, what about- Cody, you're, you're into your fantasy, aren't you? Yeah, I've got to actually check it. Um, I think the men's is a bit of a write-off. I haven't checked any of the scores yet, to be honest, but... um. I know I didn't have any Adelaide players in, considering they uh, produced the best performance at the weekend. It's probably a danger sign there already. With the women's, I know I had Heyman and Fonson Camp in there, so I've gotten points somewhere in the women's. Um, I think that's the one I'm going to lean into, and I do prepare. I am prepared to wipe the floor with the rest of you in our front page football competition. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I don't have a team, so uh, you can't uh, you can't wipe the floor. Well, you're a loser, aren't you? All right. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna skip past that and uh, and deal with that later. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna start with something different uh, this year uh, each week on the podcast. So the boys and I are gonna give our three big talking points from the weekend, and then we're gonna deep dive into a few of them uh, from there. So um antonis since you were unprepared for this podcast um and now suddenly you've thought about your three points um you're gonna start for us what uh what were you have you just called him out like a teacher calling out a student not doing their homework yeah well that's why antonis does every day when he teaches at school so i just thought i'd return the favor um what uh what were your main takeaways from the uh from the weekend (laughs) <laughs> I think we're going to have to release some front page football messages into the Twitter sphere because uh, <laughs> these messages were unclear. But anyways, my points <laughs> from the weekend. <laughs> uh, obviously starting off in Adelaide, as I usually do. Um, Johnny Yell's performance. <laughs> Johnny Yell's performance. As I mentioned, mm. Carl Viet talked to us about that he, what he can be this year, and his performance was exactly what I expected, but I think it's opened the eyes to a lot of people, so that's one. Another point that really stood out for me was a two Australia Cup finalists who looked like the two best A-League men's sides going on suffered pretty disappointing results for their standards, obviously Sydney losing and Brisbane struggling against MacArthur. And my last point, I'm probably going to go with... Um, Let's go with Western Sydney Wanderers, unable to create the chances we expected them to create with the attacking players that got available for them. Okay, so Antonis has got Johnny Yell. Again, no surprises there. Um, the Oz Cup finalists, I guess, disappointing in round one, and then an underwhelming Wanderers performance. All right, Cody, what about you? Um, I'm starting in Adelaide as well, but I'm going to focus on Ben Halloran, who... Seems to really have a knack for being able to step up in Goodwin's place. Um, Justin Tickner, a quick shout out to him on Twitter. Obviously, the guy behind Ultimate A-League as well actually made it known to me that uh, Ben Halloran's best season in Adelaide shirt was actually the last time Goodwin left for Saudi Arabia. So a little bit of history repeating itself there, which 
I thought was quite interesting. Um, Popper Ball going back on the right track as well. Good display against Sydney FC, a win in a typical Popovich fashion as well. Obviously not the most amount of the ball, but still creating a lot of good chances. And Zinedine Mashash just quietly looks quite good as well. And the last one, I'm actually going to end with the Wanderers as well, but a little bit of a different take. I actually saw potential in this Wanderers side today. I think there's a side there that could do really well, but if they are going to reach their potential, they are going to need to build on what they have and very fast. Yeah, right. Okay. So, Grantona's saying that the Wanderers are underwhelming and you're saying that they actually showed maybe signs of something more to come. All right. Let's uh, maybe circle back to that. Jake, what about you? Yep, so the first of my three points is, and I quote, Adelaide can play football without Craig Goodwin and then shocked face emoji. Um, I wasn't expecting that, to be fair. Like, they, they played very, very well. I guess we'll sort of go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, they they really look like they can have a good season, you know, without the best player in the league. Uh, my second point was Western United could be back at it. I thought they had a very, very, very good performance against Melbourne City. I think some of their new signings looked very, very promising. And then I have Melbourne Victory look good. Especially defensively, looks like Popper's built a really, really solid unit. I think, yeah, with some of the signings we probably already saw with Damien De Silva sort of embedding that team and even Adama Traore rejoining. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So, my three points I've got um, Nestor Ingunda um, and his first start in the A League. Of course, I wrote something on this uh, yesterday as well. You can go check that out on the website. Um, yeah. I mean, Highly anticipated moment and uh, quite fitting that that was to happen in the first game of the new season. I think it kind of set the tone that maybe this this A League season might be well. Nesta's going to be one of the uh, I guess the the faces of the league potentially this season uh, if he isn't already. So there's one point. Um, hate to bring this one up, Macarthur's crowd. Um, I'm sorry, has to be brought up like three thousand for an A League game. Um, I think it just kind of says enough there if I just mention that. So it's the second point there. Probably not going to go into that too much today. Um, and kind of similar to Antonis's point, but just a general thing. Now, just some background. Last year when we did our first podcast, it was straight after um, Melbourne City beat Western United in the first game of the season. And Western had a disaster, uh, a real disaster class, to be honest. Um, and that did set the tone for their season. But I'm going to say... Don't overreact to round one, and in particular to Melbourne City and to Sydney FC, their performances, and in gen- in general, um, yeah, try not to overreact. That would be my probably third point, um, as well. On the other side of things, probably with Adelaide as well. Maybe try not to overreact too much that way and think that everything's going to be all good, um, just because they just because they won one game. So, yeah, but let's deep dive then. Um, I reckon we'll start with the Wanderers because interesting, interesting um opinions that you guys had, Antonis and Cody. Antonis, why don't you start off and take us through a little bit more about your thoughts on the Wanderers and their underwhelming performance? What, what uh, I guess maybe didn't you like about what you saw? Yeah, just on the creative side, I guess when you start with Brandon Morello and Antonson up front, which we've seen what they can produce, and you've got other very handy players in. Uh, Dylan Perius, uh, Nikola Milanovic, Vilante, Hendricks in the midfield, Lockie Brook off the bench, even players like Sapsford and Badalato. You'd expect them to, I don't know about scoring, getting a result, but just creating more against the side with a new coach that has arguably lost more quality than it's gained at home in round one. I know it's still early days, but 
again, this is a side that finished third last season, you know, and they've added in quality. They've lost a bit, but they've definitely added. I was just expecting a bit more on their creative front. And you can see that for a few fans that were there, they were a little bit underwhelmed with what they saw. Obviously, the conditions weren't the easiest, but both sides had to deal with them. But yeah, just a lot of quality. And I just didn't see much on the creative front, but they will get better. But just something that I noticed today. Cody, um, I mean, you look at Milanovic, um, Dylan, Dylan Paris, um, Brendan Borello, and Tonson. I mean, there's more than enough quality there in the front third for the Wanderers to have at least scored against Wellington today. Is it maybe, is, maybe is, uh, Antonis overlooking perhaps Alex Pulse's performance for, for the Knicks? Look. It sets up for a really, really good debate. And Christian, you know I love arguing with people on this podcast. Yes, you like it. arguing with me a lot. Yeah, yeah, mainly you. But um, I, I can't disagree with anything Antonio said, to be fair. I do agree in the fact that the Wanderers were a little bit underwhelming today. And that's what I meant by they need to make sure they're building quick on this. Because, you know, the, everything that Antonio said was correct. The building blocks are there for a successful team. And the way I looked at it today, I know Antonio he did bring up the conditions. I think that probably played... Maybe the biggest part in all of it, Wellington Phoenix. I know they'd have to play in it too, but I don't see them would they see them end up being any better if the conditions were better anyway. If you know what I mean, I know I said better there too many times, but you take that into account. Plus the fact that Wanderers could have been one nil up after twenty thirty minutes if it wasn't for Alex Olsen. Suddenly, if that one of those shots goes in, you're looking at a different game. Wanderers maybe could have gone on to score two, three, or four goals. So it probably was. In one aspect, a bit of a frustrating day. On another aspect, conditions probably weren't in their favour. And you talk about those new players coming in. Yorit Hendricks is probably the one I'll point out in particular. Looks like technically a good player. And everything I've heard of him sounds like he's got potential to be one of the top centre mids in this competition. But there's also the fact that this is probably the first time he's had to play in temperatures above 21 because he spent his career in the Netherlands and Germany where, you know, you're playing winter. It's generally cold. You don't have to come to Sydney where it's not even a month before summer yet and you're still playing in boiling heat. It's almost a bit of a shock to the system. So I think there's factors that went against the Wanderers today, but I don't think you can overlook the fact that this is essentially a two-points loss. This is a side that on paper they are, and I'll say this with no disrespect to Phoenix, but the Wanderers on paper are a lot better than them and at home as well should have been coming away with a win. So taking that into consideration, they do need to build on this quickly because everything's there to be a successful team, but they can't be dropping silly points like that either. Are we... look, in round one, yeah, you have to get judged by the performance of last season. And last season was sort of a side that on its day was quite brutal in front of goals. So again, that's what we expect. And as you said, it's round one, early days in the season. There's a lot of time to get these points but again when you look at the side you expect a bit more in round one against the side with a new coach with a few new players with a few youngsters and even those shots that Bowles and say were from distance you know very good saves but it wasn't you know like a piece of play that really worked the defense it was just yeah a bit of space and just had a crack that's what I mean like conditions probably played a part in it but they did look a little bit lethargic whether that's solely down to conditions or maybe a lack of cohesion which I don't know if you can use that argument too much when they basically tore apart an Adelaide United side that's now sitting top of the league, even if it's only round one. Who, but it shows that there is potential in that Adelaide side, and Wanderers made them look like amateurs in the cup. Mm-hmm. So I, well, I don't know if it should yeah. be a lack of cohesion. So, sorry? 
<laughs> and not reading into the preseason results too much, but after the Adelaide win, it kind of petered out a bit for the Wanderers, especially with a lot, obviously, the exit in the cup and some of those friendlies. So, again, who knows? But round one, that's all we can talk yeah. about. I think we might be, you know, looking at this differently. If I mean, Antonson had a good header chance early on. Um, Paulson made a really good save. That was probably one Antonis where you're saying they did actually open them up on that one. Um, and Anto- um, and Paulson makes a good save. So there's that. I think it's probably, I, I like Cody's point about <clears throat> now the Wanderers are coming into this season. They've added, you know, Lockie Brook is a very clever signing. Even someone like Josh Berlante is not a Morgan Schneidlin, but he's a serviceable player. Um, Tate Russell obviously back as well, which is good to see. Um, I think now they're going to have to deal with more expectation this year, right? They, they don't have so much of a free hit, I guess, Cody. I don't think it's expectation because of the well, yeah, because of the side they built, but it's not in comparison to last year. This is generally a good team, and I understand there's been turnover, but like I said, it's as much as you don't want to read in too much into the cup, from what you can see from that day at the very least, it did look good. And even the day they got knocked out to Brisbane, they were still able to create chances. They were still able to score goals, even going away from home, which obviously isn't going to be perfect conditions for them. But they're coming to a ground that they traditionally can make a fortress. And when they do, they do generally go on to have a good season. It's, it's, it comes back to the fact that this is probably a game that no matter what is going on, they probably should have won. And Paulson probably had a big part to say in that. You know, you've got to give kudos to him. Fantastic performance. But, um, you know, it's, it's two points lost for the Wanderers. And you're talking about a side that, I think everyone here suggested they weren't just going to be in the top six, but pretty much top four, top three. So you do, as much as it is only round one, you probably do expect a bit more from them to kick off the season, really. Yeah, really, I, I mean, look, it's, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but Wanderers, the expectation isn't in the signings. The expectation is you're the Western Sydney Wanderers, you know? True. That's yeah, 100%. Expectation. And the last season only adds to that. And obviously the preseason hype about them as well. And, it's early days, you know, but again, as you mentioned, you're at home against Wellington Phoenix. I don't know about the result, but I am expecting you to force the answer the issue a bit more when things aren't going your way and your opponents can't, aren't really outplaying you per se, because if the Wanderers didn't create much, Wellington certainly didn't. So you'd expect them to, I guess, push for those points at home. But again, there's many factors early in the season, the heat, but yeah, just, Something I noticed, and I'm, you did too, by the sounds of it. Yeah, Jake, uh, we haven't gone to you yet. What did you make of the Wanderers? Yeah, look, I, I think it was, again, a team on paper that should be you know, pushing for the title. I think if you look at the quality of their squad, um, you know, Antonson, Hendrick especially, they look like really, really good signings if they can sort of ease their way in. But at the end of the day, the, app, you know, the end product just was not there. Four shots on target, they had an XG of 0 0.75, which I think just kind of proves they just weren't really it's pretty creating. poor. Yeah, uh, it's yeah at home, you know, to a Wellington side that, to be fair, I do think are underrated. I think they've got a lot of you know really talented young players in there, but you should be doing better there at the end of the day. So, look, I again, I, I think it was very similar last season. It took a while for uh, Western Sydney to sort of build um and sort of figure out sort of their you know attacking identity and the way they want to play. So maybe there could be a bit of a recreation, you know, re- recreating theme here. But yeah, I, I like I think you said sort of the start. It is round one. You know, it's not you know the end of the day. You know, I'm sure they, you know, they'll build. They've got the talent there, and I'm sure they'll figure out when they can sort of add the likes of Lockie Brook, mm-hmm. example. You know, who's a very talented player into their sort of their 
Yeah, I've got a couple more things on this. First of all, Jake, with you, you mentioned Western United and how you're impressed with their recruitment. Now the Wanderers take on Western United next week, and that's a Saturday night game. Wanderers at home again. No excuse for the heat this time as well. Um, how do you see maybe that playing out a brief preview, I guess? Oh, I think it'll be a good match. Um, I think both teams have sort of shown good defensive stability. Like, you know, even though Western Sydney, you know, were poor going forward defensively, they looked absolutely class. Like Marcelo, the young Bonatig sort of coming in beside him, they look very, very good. So I think that'll be interesting, but there'll be a big challenge. I think Daniel Pena for Western United, he's such a lovely player to watch. I think anyone that, you know, maybe didn't catch him, you know, with Newcastle in the past, he's one to keep an eye on. Lovely player to watch. And even like, you know, it's of you know, Bodic, Lachlan Wales in attack Western United, you know, they caused a very solid Melbourne City side a lot of problems. So I think that'll be a good match. Um, I'm not necessarily going to make a prediction yet, but uh, but I, I probably would favour Western United. I think they're looking very, very, very solid at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, Last one, Antonis, because I know you love him, and that's Lockie Brook. Is there a way you think Marco, Marco Rudin should have maybe found a way to find a spot for him in this starting 11 today and, and maybe moving forward? I know yeah, I know yeah. your answer is yes, but where where would you, <laughs> looking at looking at that lineup today, where where would maybe Lockie Brook fit in? It's early days still, but we saw what he can do in the cup over yep. in Perth, and I think it was his squad five goals. So Lockie has developed playing off the right wing and then cutting in onto his left and scoring that way. But he's also very capable as that central attacking player. So wouldn't surprise me if he's used in that role as well, or even like up front, kind of as a false nine or to play off someone like Antonson. So there's definitely options out there. And again, it's not his favorite, but you can even chuck him on the left to cross in to someone like Antonson too, if you want. But again, I reckon where we'll see him first might be that right wing where he excels. But I definitely think he's got something to say as that central attacking midfielder, if that's a, something, a path Rudan wants to go down. But again, it's a kind of a new look side. A coach with his own ideas and expectations. So I'm sure he'll try a few different things, especially as the season wears on. Yeah, well, you're probably looking at Borello and Antonson are probably, you know, untouchable, I guess, unless they hit, you know, shocking um, periods of form. And then knowing Rudin, he probably wants the Berlante Hendricks pivot to, you know, be the solid base for the team. So then you're probably fitting two, well, you're fitting for two positions from three players in Prius. Milanovic and Lockie Brook. So today he went with Prius and Milanovic. Maybe next week he'll go with Brook on the left and maybe Prius on the right. Or maybe Brook does go on his right side because, as he said, Antonis, he likes to come inside and maybe Milanovic stays on the other side. You know, it's, there's, he's got some options there to, to rotate it. All right. Let's, let's move on. And we are going to talk about Adelaide United. Um, second of all. And, um, yeah, a lot, a lot to talk about. Obviously, I mentioned Nesta. Antonis mentioned Johnny Yell, um, and Jake's mentioned, you know, the Goodwin absence. So there's a lot, a lot happening, uh, to, to take from that, from that 3-0 win that they had against the Mariners to open the season. Cody, I'm going to start with you. What, um, cause I don't think you actually had Adelaide in your three points. So yeah, I did. Oh no, you had Ben Halloran, didn't you? <laughs> you had Ben Halloran. My bad. So you had Halloran as well. Okay. We all actually mentioned Adelaide at some point. There you go. Um, all right, why don't we start with the Halloran um, angle that you mentioned? Because Jake's mentioning um, 
obviously the Goodwin absence. Do you think Halloran can, you know, with a combination of Nesta and then maybe Ibasuki chipping in as well? I'm not sure about that personally, but do you think Adelaide have got enough goals in them to, I guess, replace it? Look, one person isn't going to replace Craig Goodwin. I think that part's very, very clear. And we've all mentioned three different players that have stepped up. Obviously, we said Johnny Yule, I've said Halloran, uh, Nestor in there as well. I think if you're talking between Halloran and Nestor, you're getting that service where you can probably hit that 10 plus goals, 10 plus assists. I don't think one of them will get it on their own, but combined, they will get a large number. And you've got to look at Adelaide's last season. Goodwin got those numbers on his own. The service wasn't really coming from the other side. Halloran had a bit of a shocker. And I think that's where it, it, we all kind of stem from the same thing. We've all, the whole conversation around Adelaide was how were they going to react in Goodwin's absence? Who was going to step up in their place? And suddenly you're seeing three or four people take that mantle and go, yep, yeah, we're going to at least contribute in some way, shape or form. I mentioned before as well, the last time Goodwin left, it was obviously raised to me by Justin Tigner, but Halloran was able to be that guy last time. And since Goodwin's come back, I guess that kind of coincides with how he's petered out in a way since as well. But suddenly, now Goodwin's gone, he's got the opportunity to kind of be that figurehead of this team again, and the senior player going forward for him as well, obviously, the other guys that are going to be in Adelaide's front line, you expect consistently are going to be very, very young. I know you mentioned Ibisuki there, Christian, but if I'm looking at the way Adelaide's playing and their options going forward, I'm starting Ivanovic up top. I don't care if um, Ibisuki's... Oh, no, no, I was agreeing. I'm... I'm... No, no, was... no, I'm agreeing with you as well. No, no, no. I know. I was gonna the way I was gonna set it up was the fact that obviously when you have a visa striker, they're usually the one that automatically gets that starting spot. I don't care where Rubasikis come from. Ivanovic is a better player. You've got to go with him. Hundred yeah, percent. Um, Antonis, yeah, yeah. Just with the Halloran thing as well. Just adding context behind that. That he had come back from his stint in FC Seoul last season, where he didn't play much football, and Carl Viet mentioned. Now that can get to you when you don't play much. And I've also heard as well, he um, was disappointed, Ben was disappointed with himself uh, about how he had uh, gotten a couple of extra kilos on him, which I thought he's worked really hard in the off season to lose. And he felt like he's found his speed again. And you could really see that confidence. And even how he got to that position and took that finish as well, we did not see that at all last season and you could see frustration building his game last season as well so you know he's already matched contribution for last year and in a side that's this young someone like him really really needs to step up so again very good to see him get that involvement in the first game and we'll see how all those players in the final third combine to replace Gordon because as you mentioned you don't replace a soccer and Johnny Warren medalist with one player that easily um, and if they can't, I'm expecting them to have a look in January for someone else. But so far, so good. But again, it's just round one. And we have to remember those injuries the Mariners suffered in the first half as well. Losing two players from their spine, making two separate subs, really hamstrings a coach in his first league game for a new side. All right, let's, let's talk about Nesta as well. Um, first start. What uh, I've I've already written my side. What what did uh, Jake? What did you think of Nesta from the start for the first time? Obviously, it's a little bit different, a bit of a different challenge than coming off the bench. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I was definitely, especially watching that too, in terms of how he was going to look to pace himself almost. Um, obviously, when he comes on as a sub, he just goes all gun blazing. You know, the whole time he's on the pitch, of course, because you know he's fresh. You know, twenty minutes or so he ha- has, but here, you know, he had a whole hour or so to think about 
sort of pacing himself, not going too hard. And I think he did pretty well. I, I think he knew, you know, when to sort of go for it, when to make that run, when to go for that sprint. And yeah, he looked good. Like obviously maybe didn't get that goal or assist, you know, like the name on the score sheet. But I think anyone that was watching the game just saw his quality. Like I remember there was one time where the ball bounced up. It was Danny Vukovic and him just going for the ball. Danny Vukovic is like a 6-2 solid goalkeeper yeah. you know, built. And he has his hands. Nestor jumps up in... Like, unbelievable. Like, I don't even know how tall he's Yeah, it's like ver- vertical leap. Yeah, yeah. He's... Like, um... Ridiculous. And won the header. Like, the, the, like, just stuff like that. This kid is is not normal. And I think once he can sort of, yeah, sort of maybe more consistently sort of learn how to sort of play that starting role... um. Yeah, there's a really special player there, and I think that's pretty obvious. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of um, if he'll continue to be backed in that starting role. And I like that point about pacing himself because it's really, like you said, something we haven't seen him do before. But I also enjoyed how you know he didn't get in his own head. We've seen him get very frustrated before, and it could have in a couple of spots. But he was really, you know, he was really calm. And even at times from ground level, you could see, I don't know if you could see on the TV or higher up with you or Christian, but just that point, he was just having a laugh. Like when he was on the ball, you could see he was really enjoying being out there and playing. And in the past, it might be a miss. It might be a player that's going at him a bit hard when he really gets in his own head, starts arguing with officials, going at other players. That is probably the most I've seen Nesta just enjoy himself mm. out on the pitch when he's not on the score sheet. So for me, that really stood out. It was just great to see him in a good mental space to start the season. I, I think the thing which stood out for me is, and has stood out whenever I've watched Nesta, is that he does his best work when he has space ahead of him to drive at one defender, push it past him. We know what he's going to do. He's going to go at him. He's going to push it past him to the right. And he's going to try and run around him and then get it on the other side or something of that nature, right? So I actually asked Carl Viet this question after the game and I asked him, you know, are you actually maybe looking at if this guy is going to start more games as well? How can we tailor our game to suit particularly that aspect? How can we get him in more one-on-one positions? Because I mean, doing that alone is probably going to get you like half a dozen good chances a game. And also the other thing about Nesta, I thought is his delivery on Friday was really good. Like some really good low crosses in particular across the box. Ibisuki, who we just mentioned before, was nowhere to be seen. Um, maybe he can't, he honestly just can't keep up with him. That's fair enough. But, you know, like it's an interesting one. And, and Carl responded and he said that, you know, he can play anywhere. Um, and he didn't really maybe ask the, answer the question directly, but that also kind of opened things up to me thinking, could, we see Nesta used as like a nine at some point or somewhere else. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if he just threw that out there, Carl, or if it was something he's. I don't see it personally, um, but it, I definitely think you know this is not just um, this was not just uh, a start because we've got to give Nesta a start. I think it's going to be, you know, a position that's his for to keep really. And it's his last season, let's be honest. It's his last season yeah. in the A-League. So you got to use him before you lose him, you know. And what better time after you lose your soccer captain who basically is involved in everything good you do in the final third, you know. This is free reign. You want this spot? Show us why it's yours. And, you know, it's, he might not have gone in the score sheet or as an assist, but as you said, it was a very positive performance. You can argue it was not down to any of his faults, you know. The deliveries were there and another day you know he's probably involved in scoring as well so yeah very positive 
start to life as a starter in this league for Nesta. And then we'll see how he goes now against the other half of the grand finalists on Sunday. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. Um so between you got Nesta who's gonna play more and you'd think is gonna contribute a few goals. If Halloran gets maybe half a dozen, if Ivanovic comes in and is able to contribute, even if Ibasuki is able to get a few, could they still replace the goals that they lose with Goodwin just as the sum of their parts, essentially? Anyone, uh, anyone can take this. Really, yeah. with, with a young side like this, it just depends how they progress through the season, you know. Obviously, it starts so high, and I mentioned after the game that, you know, with a young side like this, the extreme, you can always feel it in the stands, and it's very hard not to be up and about and playing. What's going to happen when you go, for example, to Western Sydney and it's 30 degrees and the Wanderers have it together and you're very lackluster and then that carries on to next week? No, that's, for me, where these questions will be answered because at that stage, again, it's not always the easiest for these young kids to stand up. Who's going to stand up and drag them with them? And that's what Craig Goodwin was so good at. So, you know, you'd love to think that they can replace him like that. But again, time will tell and how this season goes with so many talented young players. We didn't even mention Musa Toure. You know, so many things can happen form-wise, injury-wise, you know, international call-up-wise. So time will tell. I think if you, if I want to just build on that, you're talking about going away to a Wanderers or possibly even, you know, a Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory. And for a young side, obviously, it's going to be very difficult, but it comes back to what the expectation is around this Adelaide side. And you look at people like, from a fan sentiment, maybe especially out of Adelaide, no one's really expecting much from this team. So even if you're going to those games, going to those difficult away days and struggling, if you can make sure that the crowd in Adelaide is feeding off what this young side is doing, and every time a team comes to Adelaide, you're making it a really difficult night for them, you've still got the building blocks of a top six team. As long as you're doing that, as long as you're getting as much, as close to 100 points as possible from 100 points, 100% of points from home as possible, you've got, you've got a very, very strong chance and you'd be doing, you'd be very unlucky not to make the six. And how you do when you go away, that's where it decides basically you're going to get top four, you're going to get top two. But I don't think many people are expecting this side to go that far. I think if they can maintain as a top six team and a good top six team, they, they've done more than enough with what maybe not the squad that they have, but the expectation around such a... You know, and it's both Viet and Joe Gouchy have said finals is the expectation, but this is just one of these weird leagues that Adelaide United can kind of sneak into the six, just get a win in that first week, and they've matched the achievement of the last three seasons <laughs> because you made that two-legged semi-final, which has been the end point of the last few seasons. So... You know, actually matching mm. that isn't the craziest thing when you think about it. But yeah, it's a marathon and it's something that the young players will have to deal with because obviously they're going to be relied a lot more upon this year than other years, especially in the final third. All right, let's talk about Johnny Yo um, before we move on to our to our third uh, deep dive. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> Antonis' stock on this guy is is so high um, you know, I don't think he can actually make any more off off the off the stocks that he has in him. Um, and then 
Paul Veer comes out multiple times ahead of this game, on the night of the game, on radio, saying that Johnny O is going to be a Socceroo in 12 months. And all of a sudden, you're just thinking, okay, all right, let's, all right, let's, let's really see this. Okay. Like, how, how can this kid really go on A League level? And not only is he good, but the bravery of this kid to always want the ball. He's literally, there are occasions, and obviously I was, you know, right at the top, so I could, I could see everything. And there are occasions where, you know, let's say Nick Ansel or Alex Popovich are on the ball, Adelaide are playing out. It's in a tight area where the Mariners have put on a good press. And Johnny Yale's got Josh Nisbet maybe right up his backside. And he's demanding the ball and saying, that's right, play it into my feet. You know, I'll bounce it out and we'll get out of the press. You know, I, you don't, you just don't see that from young Australian midfielders, right? Um, and that was very impressive. I think his positional sense is really good. I think him and Clough are going to have a nice little relationship where, you know, Johnny Yell can also operate between the lines, I think, too. He's not just a player who's going to box the box. Yeah. And I think you saw it in different points where if Zach Clough dropped a little deeper, Johnny Yell could take up higher positions. Um, and then the bigger, piece to all of this is then if that midfield can link with a target player like Ibasuki or Ivanovic, if he gets more minutes then that really unlocks the team completely but Antonis you definitely want to add more to this so I'll let you kind of take over because yeah it was a very impressive debut not yeah, debut not someone, debut very impressive I'm losing <laughs> I just you know you know what it is the it's just that because he had that back injury, obviously, last yeah. year, and you kind of forgot that he did play a little bit last year. But, yeah, obviously, he has featured before. But this, you kind of felt this was more like he's now an established member of the team. Yeah, and look, last year, because of necessity, he, because of Clough being out, he was that 10. And his position, best position by far, is that box-to-box man. But again, ideally, it's what you said when he can interchange with a Clough or even an Allegich, like we've seen in the NPL, and just have that understanding and just play off each other. And he, honestly, he's been doing this since he was 15 in a very, very average-looking Adelaide United NPL side that was trying to get it together because a lot of these players we see come through now were just kids back then, but you could see him do that. And I don't know if you've, I've mentioned to you, Christian, um, in the Stefan Mork and Ben Garuccio podcast when Stefan Mork mentioned a 15 year old Johnny training with the first team and Mork was like, geez, this guy's going to be able to take my spot. You <laughs> could see that from a young age. And like I said, find me another midfielder in this league, an Australian midfielder, especially at that age, that's doing what he's doing. You can't, you know, and he's, someone that just by his movement alone, he just opens up so many more avenues and just so good to see him start at Highmark Stadium in round one and just getting that recognition because he can absolutely be a soccer by the end of this year. Carvey, it's 100% spot on about that and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. And you know, someone like Nesty gets all the attention, but talent-wise, this kid's right up there. You know, it's a really good place to be when he's not all you talk about when it comes to youth development. Is that a, that's a, so that's a Carl Veer take that's Pagonis approved. So, um, you that's know, absolutely Pagonis approved. Yes. Yeah, like just, uh, just, just keep an eye out for that then. Um, Jake, you're, um, you are into your, uh, youth prodigies. So I'm sure you would add a keen eye on, uh, on Johnny Yell in this game. Uh, what did, what did you, what did you see? What did you like? Very impressive. Oh. 
Um, I, I, I was interested as I'm probably more familiar. Obviously, I'm not like a toner. I, I, I haven't watched all these kids in the, the NPL. So I was more familiar with him as more of a number 10 sort of creative midfielder. But I think we probably saw what, you know, Antonis has been sort of harping on for a while. Mm. Play him a little bit deeper. Play him as more that number eight, you know, like in that pivot. Um, looked very comfortable on the ball, recycling it. Just like, he looked like a seasoned veteran in the midfield as an 18-year-old. So I think, you know, like, you, know, you don't have Chelsea links. You know, Chelsea come to buy you for no reason. This kid is exceptional. And I think, like you said, having a Nestory there already probably does help him slightly go under the radar, have a little bit less pressure on him, which I think is really, really good. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm slightly, like, not concerned, but obviously with Ryan Tunnicliffe, you know, what his role is going to be, uh, you know, is Viet going to mm. sort of try him into the midfield when he sort of gets fit? That's what I'm slightly worrying about. Maybe why I'm not, you know, sort of, you know, harping on this kid to start every single game as, yeah, you know, I'm not too sure what's going to come. but. Yeah, he'd be very, very you know, unlucky to sort of get dropped after, you know, if you can put these sort of performances in. And just quickly, just about Adelaide United's imports. They're not, you know, the imports you have in the past that feel like, you know, they're just starters, must be starters. They, they do feel like dispensable that someone like a Johnny or like a Jovanovic can go in that side and say, you know what, like that kid deserves to start over this play if this player doesn't perform, which hasn't always been the case in the past. Not always, not only because of the quality of the import, but just because you have someone that just looks so good and is getting that attention from higher up, be it a Chelsea or a national team. You know, if you start someone like that, no one's going to question it because you can't argue that they haven't learned it. And again, with someone like Ibasuki, like you mentioned before, Christian, you can see, like, Jovanovic absolutely deserves to start when it comes to just his talent and what he's shown he can produce at this level. So, again, really interested to see how these imports are used more as part of a squad and not the stars of a squad, which is what we're used to in this league. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, how Kyle Viet uh, juggles that. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, to I guess our last team for this week, um, Melbourne Victory, um, because you guys mentioned it a couple times, and you know I got to say, pretty impressive win because you know Sydney. I think I mean we all Cody did the piece, of course, on with all of our predictions in there this season, and we're all kind of pretty high on Sydney FC. Um, and then you know, and like I said before, don't overreact around one, so I'm not. But you know. I mean, Melbourne Victory could have had a lot more than just two, right? In this game, they they created a lot. Um, and yeah, they looked they looked good. Um, and it felt like I guess your kind of classic Popovich performance on the road, you know, um, getting a clean sheet as well. Uh, Jake, I'll let you start. What uh, what particularly impressed you about Victory? I just think it has to be their defense. Um, yeah, obviously, like I said, we already saw Damien Dzilvas signed and you know victory weren't necessarily amazing yeah you know, last season but I, I almost think it was almost a write-off at that point you know they're already so far behind mm. i think it was really necessary to sort of have a reset um you know we see miranda for example grab the captain's armband and it, they look very 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 good i think even someone like marshan's very underrated sort of coming back from, from all the injuries he had last season in that pivot he provides a lot of coverage there ryan teague you know i think anyone watching the ollie ruse you know sort of knew how much quality mm. he had into the midfield first game, exceptional. He looks like I like 
It's reminding me a lot of Callum Newanoff sort of stepping into sort of a team like that. And I feel like he can have a very similar season. So definitely one to watch there. So I think there's a lot of optimism around victory at the moment. I'm still wouldn't like, like they did play very well, especially going forward as well, but I'm still a little iffy on that for the whole season. You know, Fauna Rolly, he's definitely getting older now. Fantastic player, but it's, you know, very hard to rely on a 36-year-old to play week in, week out and, you know, get your goals. So I think that's something I'm maybe a little bit hesitant on, you know, you know, not predicting victory to win it all already or anything like that. But they definitely look like a team that, yeah, maybe, you know, this time around they can, yeah, sort of push for a final spot and be a real contender. Well, you look at... um. So Fornaroli scores, obviously it's off the back of a mistake, but a good finish. Um, and then Marquez obviously scores um, a, a very nice goal um, where he just kind of goes through like a battering ram. Um, and, you know, maybe Redman should do better, but it's a good low finish. But you got um, Zinedine Marquez, um, Fornaroli, Nishan Valupale, and Daniel Alzani. And then really outside of that, you know, you know, there's no one really who could provide any goals. So the point is, I guess, is if Fornaroli can't be relied upon because he's getting a little bit older, if Valupale is going to be up and down, which he probably will be because he's younger, is this where Daniel Arzani needs to now transition into being one of the guys for this team, I guess? I'll let anyone take this. Yeah, he's got to be Christian because, again, what they were actually okay last season when it came to the general play. Yeah. But yeah. they were just missing their chances like we saw this week, the only difference is they took two, one being that mistake by Sydney at the back and the other one being the battering ram. But, you know, you had two, three chances. They could have made it three or four nil. And what let them down last season was just defensive errors. So you really have to discover these other players who will help you get these goals regularly, not just once in a blue moon. And we know Azani has shown that potential in the past. And, you know, it's his time to convert. Um, and again, in, in the Popovich team, he's probably expected to do a lot off the ball as well. I think with a player like that, you just got to let him be himself. I think that's where you're going to get the best of Daniel Azani. I don't know if this is the team for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't see that. I don't yeah, it, see, might, yeah. it might. And again, the other argument is it might help him develop as a more whole player. But again, We'll see, but definitely need someone to regularly be on the score sheet. We know Bruno can do it, and I'm sure he will as much as he can this year, but you need someone else there with him because if you want to be a top six team, we're talking about Adelaide before where the goal's going to come from. Victory's got the same question. Well, Jake Brimmer could be that guy um, as, as another one who could, if he gets his starting spot back, and and um yeah add goals for sure i i think what's interesting though is with marshan and teague i mean it's similar to what we just spoke about with the wanderers a little bit where it's does popovich most likely knowing popovich and the way he sets teams up he's probably going to like a that kind of pivot in front of a back four he wants that solidity and then if we can just have a couple of creative players in the attacking positions who can contribute goals then i'm happy with that which means maybe Someone like Jake Brimmer, you know, really is going to have to work that little bit extra bit harder to, I guess, get his starting spot back. Um, you know, quickly, yeah. Just, yeah, having Marchand back, though, really helps release these players because he does do a lot when it comes to shielding that back four. So, yeah, just having him in there can allow some of these players to express themselves a bit more without 
constantly having to. D- didn't Victory fans want to like kill Marshan like last year? I'm trying to. Do they? I don't know. I think but that was more Brolante. <laughs> it's he's a really he's invaluable in a team like that, and for a coach like Popovich because he does a lot of the dirty work in my eyes at least. Yeah. All right. Um, Cody Ryan Teague. Because we see the situation a little bit. We saw it, for example, with someone like Riley McGree. Is he a, a, like a contender for come back from Europe, play one good season, and I'm back over Europe, do you think? Oh, 100%. And I think it may be more in the ilk of a Sammy Silvera. Maybe he doesn't get there straight away, although he's hit his stride a lot quicker than what Silvera did when he came back. But 100%. We saw... I don't think a lot of us really saw the talent that he had before he left to Europe, and that's probably the only reason why there's a lot of people that are unaware of him. I was aware of him solely because of watching the Under-17s World Cup, I think it was 2019. Like, you're talking, or 2018, 2019, somewhere around that. Like, a, a long time ago now, though, and it's been, and that's how long he's been over in Europe for. He got picked up from there. I think he played one game for Sydney FC, and he got, like, maybe 10 minutes. But no one in Australia, unless you're following the youth national teams, is probably really aware of how good this kid can be. Like you're talking about someone who at 18 years old was borderline about to make the 2021 Olympic squad. He's There's bags of talent there, and it's nice to see that at an A-League level, people are actually going to go, okay, yeah, this kid's really, really good. So you're talking about that kind of come back to Australia, bounce to Europe, but it's a unique situation where we don't actually, as a country, know how good this kid really can be. It's not like Silvera, where we saw, where we saw him tearing apart it. Um, Mar- uh, Mariners, yeah, yeah, Mariners. That's different, but he was before he went to Europe. It wasn't like we saw him tearing apart at Mariners, and then he's gotten this really fancy gig over in Europe. T's gone over as a youth player, kind of gone through the youth systems, and now it's like, okay, I need to break into first team football somewhere. My best option is going to be the A League. If there's anyone that you could probably compare it to, it's another player from that under 17 World Cup squad in Noah Bodic, where was doing really well at Hoffenheim, was going through their youth age groups, but probably just didn't have that quality to break into the first team. Instead of risking it and staying within the club and going on all these different loans to see if he could create something of himself in Germany, it's like, you know what? I'm going to come back to Australia. I'm going to do my thing here. And obviously he hasn't bounced back to Europe yet, but you can imagine if he's able to keep his form that we saw at bits, at bits of times last season and now being their starting striker, you can imagine he's going to get that move to Europe. Maybe T, if he, it may take one or two seasons, but you can see him doing the same thing. And when we talk about, I guess, that return to Europe, we think of McGree oh, coming to Adelaide and coming back. We forget he had another stint in the A-League when he went on a couple of loans around to Newcastle and Melbourne City at the time. So it's not always that linear. And I much prefer players going over to Europe after they show here that they can be absolute stars in that league. You know, Silvera was a star last year. Riley McGree's last season in Adelaide, he was... You know, arguably the best player in the league, you know, up until that COVID break happened. So, mm. again, we'll see how he develops, but I'm really looking for him to be a real star in this league. And that could be a star star at midfield, really, for the stars aligned for victory. Yeah, and then elsewhere in this team, uh, Jake, I mean, Miranda and De Silva, on paper, should be, you know, this team actually shouldn't concede a lot of goals. You know, just just solely on paper. And Paul Lizzo, who, can I be totally honest, I completely forgot Paul Lizzo was still Melbourne Victory's goalkeeper. I don't know why. Um, but I it was just like, oh, wait, yeah. Sorry, Paul Lizzo still is at Melbourne Victory. He's still their goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, he's obviously, we know his quality and that he's a solid alley goalkeeper. 
Adama Traore's um, back, which was met with some interesting, I guess, commentary when when that was announced in the in the off season. But he's a solid player who I guess knows the league and knows how to defend in this league. And Jason Gary's always been a solid defender. So defensively, that back five, it's an experienced back five. They should not concede a lot of goals. Definitely uh, probably a team I'm expecting to sort of concede the least goals this season. Um, they look fantastic. You know, the experience and quality in which you know, some of these players have played in is phenomenal. Um, yeah, and, and even like someone like Paul Lizzo, like it was a very forgettable, for the season for the victory I, I think Izzo for example had a good season but just because it was just so shrouded in these poor results I think people just sort of forgot but it's a really really good team and it uh, like it hasn't really changed you know but having these players back available like Jason Garriott missed a lot of last season for me when he's fit and available yeah you know, easily one of the best right backs in the league so I think it's it's an interesting turn of events you know it's not necessarily a super new um, back line but I think yeah just sort of having all the sort of parts fit together gel together you know that they could be easily i i think you're very comparable to western sydney last season in terms of how solid the defense could be yeah well that's that's actually a good point because if you look at the wanderers last season there was that Marcello marcelo partnership you know and that was that really solid base and maybe that that victory could replicate that with miranda and and uh and the silver um interestingly Last season, if I'm not mistaken, Big Blue round one, victory won three two in Sydney. Um, a bit of a different game, but <laughs> obviously now victory fans will be hoping for this to continue and not obviously how it turned out last year and it, and it, you know, went, went to shit basically. Um, do you, Jake, do you feel like this is going to be a very different victory? I know, look, I saw a lot of people putting victory in their top four and stuff. I, did not. I, I'm not convinced to that level. Also, because if we look at Popovich's CV and what tends to happen, and and this is something that Matt Matt Olson has spoken about quite a few times on this podcast, where he has these peaks right at the start, and then they kind of plateau into these mediocre sites. Um, you know, at the Wanderers towards the end, we saw multiple seasons where they were just kind of a mid-table sort of mid-tier team. Um, a victory. Where do you see them, particularly based on this performance now? Are they still for you, maybe middle of the pack, fighting for the six? Are they maybe something more? What What do you think? Yeah, I, I believe I put them six in my prediction. Um, I, I have them just about sort of making that final spot. Um, obviously, it's impossible to note. It's, it's pretty incredible, you know, going from that senior result last season, you know, to Nanny doing his ACL, D'Agostino leaving, like all just every, just the shit storm that hit victory. Um, so it's impossible to truly know if that's going to happen again. But I think this team is, you know, has built a very, very good squad. So, if, you know, if they can keep their players fit, if they can, you know, sort of avoid, you know, some of these problems, then I, I really don't see why they can't make finals. I think there should be a safe pick. I think they've definitely got one of the better teams in the division. Yeah, I think even the likes of Economides and Falami, who haven't even been mentioned, like these guys, yeah. um, you know, th- th- these are two uh, former soccer yeah. groups. Yeah. So if they can yeah, sort of you know, get back into that form, like they've got an exceptional squad, so there shouldn't be a reason why they should make finals. Well, you know, you look at you look at the two benches, for example, with Sydney and Victory on Saturday. Um, you know, they've got Economides and Flammy and Jake Brimmer coming off the bench. And then Sydney's, I guess, attacking options off the bench are Patrick Wood, Mitchell Glasson, and Jaden Kucharski. So I'm not saying that those three for Sydney don't can't provide anything, but they're obviously still you know, learning their craft, whereas particularly for 
Economides and Brimmer, they've shown before in this league that they can contribute effectively and really proven themselves before. So, you know, they definitely do have some attacking depth as well. And then like we mentioned with the defense, that is pretty solid. And, you know, if it plays to what it is, should be should be fine and they shouldn't concede many goals. Anything else, Cody, Antonio, so you want to mention on victory before we move on? It's just about consistency in the final third for me. You know, we know what Economides is capable of, but he hasn't really consistently produced it since moving to Melbourne. So obviously the defense is a strong one. We know that. It's just about can they find those consistent contributors in the final third. We mentioned, we know what Bruno can do, who can be there to support him, not just once in the blue moon, but week in, week out. Mm. That's it for me. Yeah, Cody. I think if there's one thing I want to comment that you said, Christian, about Popovich, I don't know if that was the most fair assessment of him and his time at the Wanderers. He's talking about towards the end of his career at the Wanderers, he kind of petered out a little bit. He had five seasons there. The middle season when they won the ACL and there was a lot of turnover from the side from the first two seasons that did really well. Obviously, they struggled in that season. But then you look, the fourth season, they made a grand final. They came second. They did quite well. The fifth season, yeah, they petered out into that mid-table side. But once again, there was a bit of turnover at that stage too. I think you look at how they're going now. Last season, probably, those, probably issues, the last couple of seasons that I was probably more talking about. Well, there was only really one season then he went to Turkey. So there wasn't much time there to really yeah. peter out. But you look what happened last season and there was a myriad of issues that was going on. Melbourne There's also Perth there. as well, but as you were saying. Yeah, yeah look, I I remember his grand final win at Perth, or grand final appearance at Perth, the minor premiership. I can't remember too much of them. Then they the then they plateaued to a sixth place team that kind of did yeah. nothing. So look, I'll be yeah. honest, that period, I kind of backed away from football a little bit. Had some stuff going on personally, of course, but we were, we're not getting into that today. Um, but I look at what happened with Melbourne Victory last year. You had obviously the issue with the Melbourne Derby. You had Nani doing his ACL. And you look back at, and I don't like using this as a be all and end all stat, but it does suggest something quite interesting. You look, if you set out a table in terms of every, every team's XG for last season, and a big shout out to Joe K for actually bothering to put this together. Melbourne Victory were sitting third or something on it. So, there was potential for that side to do well. There was almost just a sense of unluckiness in it. And you mentioned Miranda and De Silva before, how they're a very solid centre-back partnership. Melbourne Victory weren't losing games by... It wasn't like the season where they came last. Now, there was games where they were getting belted, and it was borderline embarrassing. They were only losing games by 1-0, 2-1, maybe the odd 2-0. That was when it was at its worst. But Yeah, no, one, no, one's, if, no one's disagreeing with that. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. But I think I, I do think there's a lot more that can come from a Popovich side when he's got a high-quality team. He's probably not the side that... He's not the coach that you can put him, give him a bunch of players, random players that aren't that great, and he'll turn them into a fantastic team. If he's if he's got a quality side in front of him and one that can work to his strengths as a coach, he can produce something really well. So I don't think there's... Yeah, a- but I think, yeah, but I think the point that Antonis is making, which I agree with, is he... I think he does need play attackers who can be relied upon and actually be clinical. And but, I think... I think maybe, he's got that. You're talking about four on a roll. Does he? Does he? Are we sure, though? Are we sure he does? Are we sure he does? He is, no, no, no. He is a fantastic finisher, you know? Yeah, 100%. Even when he walked into that side that was really struggling with scoring, and I agree, he'll get his share of goals. Oh, no, no, no not Fornaroli. I'm yeah, saying outside of Fornaroli. Yeah, I don't know how many will be this year. After that, there's no one that I will put, like my house on to 
be up there with Fonaroli in terms of but this is where maybe contributions. Could, could, and like could, a Brimmer can yeah. do it off an ACL. We'll see. After that, it's either someone like Economy that's rediscovering his Perth self, basically, or someone else just standing up and doing something we haven't seen. Duncan, coming from my point of view, I think Arsani is going to be that person. I actually yeah. think he could be. Ooh, I know, I know, Christian, right. you're going to disagree with me, but I actually think oh, that I this no, could no. be. I hope so. I, hope I, know, I, know, I, I think it's going to be a good match for him. I think you're talking about a coach that likes players that are able to take a side forward on the counter. Obviously, Kupovich is traditionally a defense-minded coach. And it's going to take a lot of work for Ozani to actually mold into a player that Popovich likes having week in, week out. But if there's someone that can provide the discipline that Ozani needs to turn into a more complete football, it probably is Popovich. And he's coming to a stage in his career where he can't just be this young, exuberant forward that stays high, gets a ball, and just drives the people. He's going to have to take responsibility for a team effort now as well. You're talking, he's the, the guy that's turning 24, 25 now. He's hitting middle, middle, mid age in terms of football years i guess but i think this could be a season where and a lot of people have mentioned that it's make or break for him i think it'll be a make a make kind of season for him i think we'll see him maybe not at the heights that we've obviously expected from him when he turned 18 but i think we'll see a good version of arzani this season one that maybe can get five or six goals and five or six assists which you know you're talking a goal or assist every two games by that stage yeah i i don't i don't disagree but i think with arzani We've now got to the stage where if he's going to get better and he's going to get back to the, the exciting young player we saw at Melbourne City who's refined that can score 10 to 15 goals in the A-League, it's on him now. You know, you can say what you want about Popovich can teach him the discipline and stuff like that. Okay, but is he going to be going to training every day, pulling his socks up, giving 110%, making sure he's as good a player that he can be? Because well, I think if, after last season, he's realized he's going to have to do that. And in reality, this is... Let, let, me put it, let me put it this way. If this doesn't work out for Arzani and he's no good victory, like, what's next? You know, like, okay, yeah, he could... Well, that's a right, different so question then, altogether. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm talking just, about what I think is going to happen. I know, I know, I know. If it doesn't know, work I, out, I don't know what happens either. Yeah, I know, I know. What I'm saying is, for me, it's about him. It's not necessarily about, okay, he's got Popovich as a coach and stuff like that. He can have anyone as a coach. If he doesn't, if he's not prepared to do the work to get back to what we know he can be, then who cares who's coaching him? A hundred percent. It's on, it's on him. It's, it's down to him and how much work he wants to put into it. But it's a good combination to then have a coach like Popovich who can provide that discipline, who can provide that defensive stability in him as well. Maybe. In all due respect, Maybe. in all due respect, like, I feel like he's a player that probably thrives under that pressure in my eyes and how I view him because you can kind of underwhelm and hide at MacArthur, no disrespect, but you're a Melbourne mm. victory now. You need to perform. There's people there, many, many people who have eyes on you and expectations on you after the season they've had, and it's up to him to raise the bar now, and I think that's where the make or break comes in it because when you don't perform a victory, they all the fans will happily tell you about all the flops they've had over the years and their opinions on them. So again, it's a real big season for him. But I agree with you, Cody. He's a player that can really step up and I really hope he does because you know it's always good seeing those types of players up and about in the league. And especially for a side like Melbourne Victory, it will be better for it, you know? Yeah, I also think um and I don't fully know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Mar- Marshaj? Mar- Marcaj? I'm not 100% Marcaj. sure. Marshaj? Yeah. 
Markash. 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 Um, I actually think they view him potentially as he could get maybe be in that eight to ten kind of goal region as well. Like maybe he's that X factor that we're maybe sleeping on a little bit because we don't know too much about him. Obviously, we've seen we've seen the goal now on on Saturday, but maybe he's the one who can can provide and support Fornaroli with the goals as well. All right, let's move on. Um, quickly before we get into our kind of big questions for next weekend, we didn't touch on uh, Macarthur Brisbane. Um, we didn't touch on City Western, and we didn't touch on Perth Newcastle. So let's start with Macarthur Brisbane, Cody. What? Uh, just give us a very brief kind of thoughts of what you saw um, with Macarthur against Brisbane, because Macarthur actually created a lot of chances in this game, and probably on the bounce of play, maybe could have won. Yeah, they took me by surprise a little bit. They're not a side that I expected too much from, but in you know, you look at. The, the league as a whole at the start of the season. And obviously, we like to do a lot of predictions. We'll go, who's coming on 12th? Who's coming on 11th? Who's coming? Yada, yada, yada. MacArthur's someone who I maybe had at the bottom end of that. But there was still tangible quality in there that if things do kind of click the way that maybe fans expect them to, they could push for that top six. You know, you're talking about bringing a, a striker like Valer Germain. If he can really click and if he can be a 10 to 15 goal a season striker, then suddenly you're looking at potentially a top six team when you combine him with the likes of the Villa, the likes of the Silver when he's back from injury and fully fit. And then we saw as well Jed Drew and Rafael Pochez Rodriguez really pulled out stellar performances as well. There's the bare bones of potentially really, really good team. It's just a matter of can they be better than the teams around them? And it's a stupid question to say, I know, but in reality, that's the case it is in this league. Home form will be really, really important and picking up a point against the Australia Cup champion uh, runners-up who looked, by all accounts, very, very good going into the league this season. That's, you know, it's a decent point to pick up, but it's the same question that I built, I asked with the Wanderers, are they able to build on it? And, and one thing that they're going to have going through, especially the start of the season, they've now got to balance it with Asian, respons- um, Asian responsibilities. I'm having a balance between obviously competing in the league and then going to and not easy countries to get to. Um, I know they're in Southeast Asia. It's not long flights, but it's tricky logistically. So there's challenges there that MacArthur are going to have moving forward. But in terms of them themselves, there is the bare bones to be a good side and maybe some players that were considered under the radar, like Jed Drew, like Raphael, who are good players, but maybe we don't expect them to be at the top of the league in their position when at their best, they arguably can be, really. Maybe even for just a young player in that position. Yeah, yeah. Um, so City go down to Western as well. Jake, you mentioned at the top how you were very impressed with Western their recruitment. Do you care to, I guess, elaborate on on some of those points? Yeah, I, I think it's a very sort of new look team. Obviously, had a big refresh over the the, the summer. Uh, the likes of Tom Hewitt Bell, I thought you know, he looked very, very good. I think he's someone that's sort of always been touted to be, you know, the next, well, not necessarily. The I, I had no idea he was 26. It yeah, was well, like, I, what I, the I, hell is 26? It, it reminds me of like a, a Jesse Lingard sort of situation where everyone just thinks he's really, really young because he just hasn't really had that breakthrough yet. But but to be fair, 26 is actually relatively young for a goalkeeper. So I'm expecting a big season for him. And then the likes of Danzaki being added into the team, Pena, Noah Bodic, you know, a season of experience mm. now. I think that there's a really, really good younger sort of look to that West United side. And I think we really saw it. They went hard and pressed uh, Melbourne City very, very high, which obviously we didn't really see in the past, but maybe an older aging squad. And I think mm. John Aloisi touched on that. 
So um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested to see sort of what uh, West United can build. I, I think that was a, a direction they really should have had, you know, looked in after sort of that older sort of looks at their team, a bit younger, a bit more exciting. So yeah, I guess we'll sort of see going on. I'll probably touch maybe more on Melbourne City a little bit later in my questions, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah I'd fly to Melbourne and pay good money just to watch Daniel Pena versus tall guy Arslan. Just I, listen, battle, um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very happy with my Johnny Warren medal prediction after round one. Very yeah, happy. That's all I'll say. Look, it's just, you take a step back and you're like, we've got a, what is it, 25-year-old Brazilian yeah. in our league that plays like this, and then another guy that played the full season in Syria, and they asked him to stay, but for some reason was dreaming of Australia, and now he's here. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to enjoy it, because it's very, very enjoyable. I'm pretty sure the only link there I heard was, like, he has, like, an uncle or a cousin that, like, stays Yeah, in- yeah, but there, there was, there was an article or something along those lines where, like, he thought of playing in Australia or something. I can't remember, but it just sounded so random. But I'm like, no problems, you know? Tell the others about it too. <laughs> so basically, Arslan was like, he was finished his Serie A career and he's like, you know what? Look at the globe. I'm going there. We are going there. Like, it, often it's those guys that come here, not just for football, but because they want to live here long term. They end up being the yeah. best for our football you know here in Adelaide at least you can see like a Marcus Flores a Marcelo Carusca and Isaias a Castillo there's like guys that have just stayed here long term fantastic players but they're doing so much for the football community because this is where they want to live and this is what they're good at so you know the more the merrier when you got guys like that that want to come not your Daniel Sturridge's or your nannies these are the guys that should be here <laughs> Sorry, you mentioned storage, and I just had the just had the pause for a second. Um, before before we get into our our last bit about uh, um our big questions for round two, Antonis Perth Newcastle to all um actually kind of a fun game to be honest. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of chances, a lot of goal mouth action. Perth should have won this game to be honest, in my opinion. Um, what what did you think? Oh yeah, exciting game. Definitely wasn't a Wanderers Wellington game. <laughs> so, very good, fun game to watch. But again, both sides new under new management, obviously, but kind of both plagued by their previous seasons of, you know, old habits die hard. And both those sides have liked throwing away results recently. But again, like you said, a fun game. I really liked Luke Ivanovic. I'm a real big fan. But to see him play with that confidence to get that cross in, and even Benny Stein get his head on that, target scoring. You've got Costa Grosos, who has shown for years promise of being this fantastic player, and we finally get, or at least today, we got to see that promise being delivered. What a goal, man. What a goal. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, Perth takes the lead before dropping it at the end. Maybe Ollie Hell would have done better. But yeah, as you said, Perth. Maybe, would be very, very sorry, disappointed. Maybe, maybe Oli Sale could have done better. Jesus, you're, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're being nice to him there, far out. Anyways, but yeah, Perth obviously disappointed. You heard Stads after the game saying very disappointed to drop points here. But yes, yeah, Newcastle take a point home. A lot of work to do for them. But again, stuff like that goal given away trying to play out with Jason Hoffman in centre back. You just you know, you 
you prophesize your own destruction at times. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. But again, time will tell. No, that's and that yeah. I mean, that's something that Rob, Robbie Stanton's going to have to because that's how he wants to play. You can see that you, that was quite evident early on. And then you know you got to find roles for these guys. I, I don't think right centre back is a role for Jason Hoffman in in this type of system. Um, still could be serviceable for sure, but I just don't think in that role there. All right, let's let's finish up then. Um, another new sort of segment for this for this year or this season is. At the end of each week, we're going to then kind of, I guess, look to the next week and think about our big questions for round two. So um, now, like I mentioned at the start, Antonis was severely underprepared for this podcast. Um, you know, he's just insulting me. Um, so, Antonis, do you have we any big questions for round messages. two? What? Yeah, will Christian be able to face his messages right next week? <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, okay, my question for next week is which one of the two Australia Cup finalists will prevail over the other? Both, mm. both disappointing starts to the season in their own respective games. Who is going to be able to kick back into form in arguably the city where the Cup final should have been hosted if a certain Premier had the available grounds? Yep, always always time for some Palaszczuk. Uh... Some Palaszczuk slander. Um, so, yeah. So, basically... And it's off a the two- week as well. What's that? Kicks off the week of football as well, Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's actually quite an interesting game to, to start round two. So, you've got a two-prong question of, can Brisbane basically get revenge or will Sydney, you know, uh, inflict more pain on them, um, essentially? Cody, what about you? Um, mine's not necessarily for the next week itself, but just moving forward generally. Obviously, we saw Mariners shaken up a little bit when Caltech and Quall had to go off. So it might my question for them would be are they able to regain confidence quickly between fitness concerns and an added fixture congestion considering they are gonna have the AFC Cup this week. They then go they host Mariners um host Mariners, they host MacArthur at least. The, the two the two AFC Cup participants going against it, it's interesting and it's I'm intrigued to see how that fixture congestion plays a part for two sides that maybe aren't quite used to it. Obviously, Mariners had their time in Asia some years ago, but it's a new, a very, very new side considering what was back then and a very young side as well. Yeah, I think um, the more games the Mariners have uh, under Mark Jackson, we're going to learn a lot more about uh, about them for sure. Uh, Jake, what about you? Yeah, my question is just sort of, maybe not necessarily for next week, but sort of maybe the whole season as a whole, just Melbourne City in general. I'm a, I've, you know, you okay, boys, the questions were for next week, not the season. Oh, okay, look, at, look, I got, I got mine right. Mine was for next week, next game we're going to watch. <laughs> it does apply because they have a very, very tough challenge away at Adelaide. You know, a team that's, you know, red hot form, as we've just seen last week. Uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, you've probably heard this podcast every single week. You know, I've sort of been on, I've been very sort of, you know, sort of iffy about Rado. Um, yeah. Know, all right. So let, let's, let's, let's do this because this is my question too. My question is, can Rado Vidicic afford another loss next week? Because like we already saw the slander after the grand final. Then Melbourne City had that one Asian Champions League result, um, at home, which was the nil or draw, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a little bit of criticism there and it just felt like basically, just any any time that Melbourne City just haven't looked good under Rado, their fans are just you know very quick to jump to some to some quick conclusions. Now I don't think they're going to be you know 
like falling off a cliff at all this season. I mean, it's Melbourne City. They're going to be there and thereabouts, right? Um, but it's more for him personally and more his maybe ability to carry out his job. You probably don't want to start zero and two. That's, that's, that's probably all I would say. Yeah, look, um, the City Football Group don't really seem like one to make rash decisions on managers. Just ask Patrick. His boy, that's going <laughs> over in France. But yeah, look, it's um, Rada was obviously selected to do this job, and he does have the benefit of the doubt because of that new look squad. And it's something that City hasn't done for a few years, so he's going to get some time. Adelaide has not been a happy hunting ground for City for a while. So what I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, a really not, a, it's not a nice uh, yeah. game to bounce back in. Oh. Yeah, but again, they'll be just fine. They're going to make finals probably in the top two eventually once they get this together because there's way, way, way too much quality in this side. My question for Ardo is when this season is over and you've got top the six sides left, what do you do then? Because yeah. that's where City's ambition is. City's ambition is in round two. They know they're going to be there in the point in time. Can you convert? And Unfortunately for Ardo, the question, the answer rather has been no, and not just the city, elsewhere too. So again, onus is on him and his side. Pressure is on for rightful reasons because there's quality wherever you look. But yeah, it's a long-term thing. Whatever happens in Adelaide will just be a piece of that long-term puzzle. Jake, this was actually Jake's initial question. So Jake, what's uh, your... um? What's your feelings, I guess, towards Rado now? Because you're right, you you have been kind of sneakily onto this from from day dot. Like, no, I just don't. You, you just you just kind of you, you're just not with it with Rado, are you? No, listen, I I I like I've never spoken to Rado, but he seems like an absolutely lovely guy. Is nothing personal at all. He seems like such a lovely guy, and I have been rooting for him. But I it's just it. I think such a stark contrast in the coaching. Going from Kisnorbo to Rado, I think it it seemed like too extreme in a way of a change to make mid season. Are you talking more from a personality standpoint? Yes, that. But also, yeah, like, but just okay. So, so Kisnorbo was so drilled in the way he you know coached this team, especially defensively. I think that was the thing that you always knew with City. Defensively, they're going to be solid. You know, maybe McLaren has an off night; they're not able to create as much. But defensively, they're not going to concede much. This city team since Rado, they probably haven't looked that solid, and I think that's probably really hurt them. You know, like maybe you could say creativity too, maybe not been as good, but they've had games where they have scored a lot of goals. I remember that MacArthur game last season; that's an example. But yeah, I, I, I think this, that not that same sort of solidity that we saw under Kisbobo has sort of I don't know, maybe a bit iffy. And he's had a chance, you know, he's had a preseason to sort of establish it. I think we're seeing those sort of same patterns come up again, and again, weighing up sort of those Asian Champions League games too midweek. There's a lot to answer for for Rado. And I know Antonis was very confident that they were going to make the top six. And I think if they don't, that would be you know, oh. very cool, obviously. Oh, wait, but, um, come on. That's, no, no, if that, that's like unthinkable. Six, that's the biggest disaster in Asian history, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I totally agree. But I, I honestly would not say it's that assured, to be honest. Like, I... I don't know. I'm I'm not that confident. Oh my God, like, you're you're, you're really out on Rado. <laughs> listen, listen. I tip them to to be premiers. Like I, I I do think this team can do it. However, I would not. So you're like, I, so you're like, you're like, you're, you're like, I tip them to be premiers, 
but there's also a world where I see them not making finals. <laughs> it's I listen. I think they should be able to figure it out with the amount of quality they've got. The likes of Tolgay Arslan, Saki, Bayhid. Like it's ridiculous the amount of quality this mm. team has. By far the best squad in the league. I'm sure they'll figure it out. However. If it doesn't, I would not be surprised. Let's just let's okay. just say, let's just say uh, if if this side can't make finals, everyone in that coaching staff should be banned from coaching for like a decade. Legitimately, just, yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> like like, like the, the amount of quality in this squad to yeah not make finals that would be no. absolute abomination. Like the, this this squad is is light years away of everyone else. Realistically, if you look at the quality there. So yeah, I, I think there's real questions to be asked. If Melbourne City don't make the finals, they should be relegated to the request for proposal phase to the second division. <laughs> <laughs> no, they should be relegated to heart. Bring back the heart, yeah. Like, Cody, what's um? <laughs> but to to echo yeah. Christian's um, remarks earlier in the podcast, don't overreact after round one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although Jake's like, listen, I I've had my eye on this guy since he got the job, so <laughs> you know this this is personal. Um, what... Brother, I wish you the best. You seem like a great guy. <laughs> what, uh, Cody? Cody, what's your what's your take on this uh, on this Rado conversation? My take is, I think we've seen w- not worse things, but we've we've seen instances in the past where some sides that we think should be very very good and winning the league have capitulated and done really really poorly so i don't think it's an outrageous claim to make that they if things really go by the wayside that they do not make the six i really don't see it happening by this like you are we, are we, are we, are we really like giving credence to this to this argument I, really, come on. <laughs> I think look it's and i know you, you guys have, have done it to align? look it's something that me and matt did in the lead up to the alley women's where it's like the best case and worst case scenario for every team yeah. Yeah. The reality is a worst case scenario for Melbourne City would probably be missing out on top four. That would be considered mm. outrageous for this team and that would create mm. a lot of questions. If they miss out on finals, you're talking about an inquisition to what the hell happened. And <laughs> you're talk we've just spent I don't know how long we spent talking about how good a player Tolgay Arslan was and how he's the sort of visa player we should be bringing into the league. Imagine if you're talk it's almost impossible to go from talking about that kind of impact at a club and then going, oh, by the way, that team's not going to make the six. Like, it's, it almost seems unfathomable. No, uh, yeah, unfathomable. No. And then you add in Nazis Bayage, you add in McLaren, you add in Lecky if he's fit. My main question, I guess the um, question you could ask City is maybe if you're talking about a coach that we're not sure if he's up to scratch and then say a McLaren, I really hope this doesn't happen. Knock on wood, it doesn't. But let's just say he goes and does an ACL and suddenly your focal point and the guy you rely on for 25 goals a season go- is gone. And obviously, suddenly there's pressure taken off right over there. But you're talking about instances where things can—you never know what's going to happen in the in this league. Unfortunately, crazy things have happened. Something disastrous could happen for Melbourne City. And I guess you have got to question whether there's a figurehead there that can steer him out of a situation like that as well. Yeah, look, I think they can sleepwalk into finals with Max Caputo playing up front. In my estimation, and look, to be fair, Max Caputo is a good player. No, no, he's probably already made a place. That's what I'm saying. What the hell are you trying to say, Antonis? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter who goes down; they've got someone that can come in and be a solid. Obviously, you're not going to be a McLaren, but you're going to be a solid player. But again, 
if a side like this goes close to missing finals, it's like it's a crime. Let's be honest. Call it what it is. And it shouldn't happen. And I don't know how we got here, but yeah. No, I don't know how we got here either. And that's why we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Um <laughs> crazy tangent to the back. Yeah, before before you know it, we're gonna talk about like, you know, like should the Wellington Phoenix be making the top two or like something something like crazy uh, outlandish like that. Um but with Paul anyway, goals, you never know. <laughs> All right, come on. Uh, anyway, let's, let's don't overreact to round one. Don't overreact to round one. See, that's why I mentioned at the start. The that's title, why I the title the start. of this podcast should be overreacting to round one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it should be try not to overreact to round one by overreacting to round one. That's what the title should be. Um, anyway, front page football. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Threads, TikTok. Also, uh, obviously on here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Um, also send us your feedback. Let us know. Was Antonis underprepared for the podcast? Was my oh, phrasing of the question to him correct? Because, um, I think as the podcast went along, you can see that I'm quite prepared. Um, and he's not. Um, so <laughs> yeah, just make sure you give us the feedback and make sure it's uh, in favor of me. Um, any comments that you have on any of the discussions that we had? Did you agree with some of the things we said? Do you disagree at all? We're always willing to listen to that as well. And uh, also, we tried a few segments tonight. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to see uh, on the podcast, something different for us to do um, as well, um, because, yeah, you know, always willing to listen to ideas. But, uh, yeah, it is uh, fantastic to be back uh, with you boys. Anything uh, anything from you guys to sign off? Yes, I'll be leaking our DMs on Tuesday at 9 a.m. SA time. <laughs> Stay tuned for everything. I was going to follow on with her on that, actually, <laughs> and say, am I allowed to disagree with Christian and suggest that maybe he doesn't have a full comprehension of the English language? And also, I want to make a third comment, and I actually had the same uh, outcome as in Turner's. However, I was able to quickly write up some questions. So, insurrection. Sorry, I thought, I thought, sorry, I thought, I thought, I thought Jake was just going to apologize to Rado again. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I want anyone listening to this, I want you to clip especially that city section and let's see, at the end of the season, who's wrong? Ooh, all right. Be, uh, this is going to be like the last year's take of sit, uh, Melbourne Victory winning the golden toilet seat. <laughs> this is going to be our version. Oh, man. Anyway, um, before my editing skills get questioned and my expertise gets questioned by, uh, by, by my employees, um, it's, it's been fantastic to, <laughs> to be back on the podcast. Thanks for listening as always. And until next time, it's bye for now.